Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hey there, Fangirl Nation. You are listening to Fangirl Sports Network's Get My Job podcast on Blue Wire. The NFL kicks off this week, pun intended, and we have a great episode as I am joined by coordinator of football communications for the San Francisco 49ers, Tessa Giamona. Tessa talks about the importance of taking up space and advocating for yourself, her biggest surprises in working for an NFL team, how different people can be mentors in different areas, a book every woman should read, and so much more. She also takes us through a day in the life on game day, and you don't want to miss it. So make sure to subscribe, rate, review, and enjoy. Tessa, thank you so much for joining me for Get My Job today. As you know, I have been so excited to have you on today. No problem, Tracy. Thank you for having me. Um, I want to preface it with I'm very nervous. You've had a lot of inspiring women on this podcast, so I'll do my best to keep up. Oh, you're going to do amazing. And you guys, I work with Tessa basically every day, I think would be a fair (laughs) assessment. Uh, So I've been super excited because I get to see her in action and know how awesome she is and how awesome she is at her job. And so um, let's jump into it. So now everybody else can hear how awesome you are at your job. Uh, So Tessa, if you could take us through your professional journey to this point, please. My journey started when I was growing up playing basketball. I grew up playing basketball from elementary school, middle school, high school, college. And then I dealt with injuries a lot the last couple years of college, which left me um, thinking about my next step sooner than some of my teammates. From there, while I was in college in Salina, Kansas, I interned for an arena football team, the Salina Bombers. And it just kind of clicked going from being on a team majority of your life to working for a team felt like a really natural transition. It has a similar schedule. There's practice, there's games, there's everyone working towards a common goal. So it just, it felt right. Um, From there, I graduated and moved home and worked at a winery for a year while I was applying and applying and applying for internships. Um, I didn't know that. I didn't know you worked at a winery. I did. I did. Vermeil Wines in Calistoga. Um, I believe their Napa tasting room is open. Very good wines. I highly recommend it. Um, Fantastic. Yeah, it was nice. It was really, it was a really fun experience. Um, And it also solidified my, my desire to get back into sports. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. So yeah, I, I applied for internships. I, received a call back from the Kansas City Chiefs and went out there for training camp in St. Joe, Missouri. Um, I had no idea what an NFL training camp would look like, and I did well enough for them to offer me a season-long position, and I was went back to California and packed up my life and moved to Kansas City um, a couple weeks later. So it was kind of a whirlwind, but it was a great learning experience with a really great organization, um, a department that I'm still very close with now. From there, after a, a season long, uh, Ted Cruz, who is their vice president of communications, was very supportive and helpful. Um, he kind of directed me back 
to California and spent a lot of time talking with the 49ers trying to get me on with them. And I accepted a season-long corporate communications internship with Roger Hacker. And yeah, I've been here ever since in a couple of different roles, but it's been great. And I mean, I couldn't have asked for a better a better organization to work for. And what season number is this with the 49ers? This is season seven. Wow. I did not say that confidently. <laughs> They're starting, <laughs> starting to blur together. Well, that's that's totally fair. Actually. For people asking how long have you covered the team, I'm like, since... I don't know. <laughs> since, <laughs> since they've been a football team. I don't know. It's a long time. Exactly. So I totally, completely understand that. <laughs> so I, I, I get that for sure. Uh, well, I, as I said earlier, I'm lucky to work with you every day. So I want to kind of get into, well, there's a couple of things I want to say. First of all, you said something interesting about working at the winery that solidified that you wanted to get back into sports. And I think that that's an interesting thing for our listeners because I know that sometimes we're all very laser focused on what we want to do, but sometimes you learn what you want to do by doing what you don't want to do. So how important was that experience for you? It was really important. Um, I enjoyed working at the winery and it's something I can see myself going back to later. I just think in my early twenties, I wanted something that felt more exciting um, and was just kind of on a larger scale. I love Napa Valley. I love Sonoma County. I grew up there, but I just wanted something, a different change of pace. And I learned a lot about wine and I grew up around wine. So it was really, it was a really fun experience and a very personal one for me, but it just wasn't the right fit for me at that point in my life. So you get to the Kansas City Chiefs. You said you obviously had no idea what an NFL training camp looked like. And I think really until you've been there, no one really could. What was, this is going to sound like a weird question, but what was your biggest surprise? And then but that now is completely normal. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think it's the monotony of it. Mm-hmm. Every day is Groundhog's Day. You do the same things. It might be a different request or a different angle, but you're doing the same things. You have practice, you have media availability, you have transcripts, you have, you know, just kind of the same day over and over and over and over. <laughs> um and it is fun. It's a grind. They're long days. They're long weeks. But um, once you get through that, you feel a lot closer to your, your coworkers, your team. Um, and it's a just a really good jumping off point for a long season. So I'm going to mix things up a little bit. Normally, we do day in the life later in the pod. But I think in this case, it'd be really interesting to do it now. So we're going to do that. <laughs> but we're going to also, I'm going to have you do two days in the life. Because I just think it'd be really interesting for our listeners to hear what you're doing on a daily basis and what your position looks like. So would you take us through a day in the life, like during the week, during the season, and then on a game day? Okay. Yeah. Um, In all honesty, different days look different. By the time we get into the regular season, you know what to expect each day because like I said, it is Groundhog's Day and everything is very routine based. Um. I can go through a Wednesday where we'll have media availability. Um, we'll have practice, media on site. Now with all of the new COVID um, rules to keep us safe, there could there's testing, media testing, where I take bioreference down to make sure that all of the media gets swabbed and are um, negative for the week. From there, we'll go to practice and watch about 20 minutes of practice with the media. I think practice is a really important time to kind of connect with our media members. Mm-hmm. Um, as you were saying earlier, we work with the media almost as much, if not more, than we work with some 
internal departments <laughs> that are our actual coworkers. So that those relationships are really important. And I think them being genuine is very important. So practice is a great opportunity to kind of catch up with people, um, talk about a request that might be coming up um, and things like that. From practice, we will go back inside. I usually do emails or credentials. And um, it's a good time to take meetings during practice with other departments because later in the day it gets kind of busy because after practice is over, we take the media back outside to the media tent and that's when we do interviews. Uh, there's a couple different styles of interviews. We have the podium where Coach Shanahan will go, players will go, and our coordinators depending on the day. And then you also have kind of one-on-ones where – for example, let's say player X has a phone interview with his local hometown paper while we're trying to funnel guys to the media tent to talk in a larger group setting. You're also kind of cherry picking players who have personal commitments um, and things like that. From there, we go inside to our office. We work on transcripts for the media. We upload audio, video to our media site. And then by then, it's probably four to five o'clock um, and you're wrapping up any other one-off interviews that maybe weren't able to be done during lunch, firing off emails or finishing projects uh, because you do kind of lose a chunk of your day mm -hmm. from practice, media availability and post-practice with the transcripts. So you kind of use later in the evening to get to a lot of those things that you weren't able to do during the day. And how has COVID changed it? Because you know, it also used to be after practice, obviously there'd be the podium and then we'd have, well, we, or before practice, we'd have the locker room. So how has that kind of changed your position? Because now kind of stuff that we would have gotten in the locker room has to become a one-on-one. -on -one. Yeah, it's, I mean, everything has been completely altered, but I'm just grateful that we have the media on site because Zoom <laughs> interviews yeah. and um, Zoom press conferences were not fun, um, but they were necessary, obviously. So now with the media on site, things that have changed are media testing. Everyone has to be vaccinated vaccinated, and in our testing protocol. Uh, we also have Connexons that media wear, which we've been wearing um, as an organization. Our players, coaches, staff have been wearing for over a year now. Um, they're con contact tracers where if, you know, staff member Y tests positive, we can go in and see, okay, they spent a lot of time around these four people. Let's test those people more, isolate them if needed, things like that. Um, and then on top of that, instead of open locker room, we try our best to get as many players as we can to the podium. So it's more of a group setting interview, um, which can be beneficial. It has its pros and its cons. I know um, people don't get as maybe as intimate of conversation as they might in the locker room. Or you may not get the person that you wanted for whatever story you're working on because you can't just go up to them and ask them a couple questions and walk away. Right. So um, it's better than the Zooms, but we're still not completely normal. Um, and it, not really sure when that will be. I think this, I don't know if this is the new normal or if we can get things under control, if we can get back to open locker room and just open availability. From your mouth. <laughs> um, all right. Can you take us through a day in the life of game day? Oh, game days are our longest days. It's actually funny. And internally, there are most people, their game days look a lot different. For us, game days are the longest day. So we get there five hours before kickoff, which for a one o'clock game is quite early for a Sunday morning. 
Um, and for a night game, obviously it's like a noon call time. And from there, it's a lot of troubleshooting in the beginning, um, making sure the press box is set up, making sure the photo workroom is set up, um, troubleshooting any credential or parking pass issues, fulfilling any last minute requests. Um, and again, with new COVID rules, in addition to a field videographer or photographer credential, this is very, very in the weeds. So I know our listeners. I, I think people, I think people find it interesting. I really do. Okay. Um, in addition to a field photo or a videographer credential, um, we are restricted to a limited number of spots for field shooters. So we have armbands that kind of differentiate um, those people as well that can be out there for the entire game, capturing photos or video. So just making sure that list is accurate and everyone has the armband that they need. Um, we head up to the press box and then we're just kind of assisting as needed or greeting people as needed. It can be a lot of waiting around <laughs> for the mm-hmm. game to start, which, I mean, if everything's going right, it's a lot of waiting around, which I prefer <laughs> rather than waiting <laughs> sure. around and, and troubleshooting. And in-game, is it, pretty smooth. Usually we're watching the game, monitoring social media, um, preparing post-game notes, preparing for the post-game press conferences. And then you know, with maybe like five minutes left in the game, um, I'll run down to our office, which is right next to the locker room and kind of set up my computer and be ready for post game, which is, you know, Kyle Shanahan to the the podium, players go to the podium. And then we also have for a national game, we'll have commitments to the national broadcast that have players join their post game set for our internal partner, NBC Sports Bay Area. We'll have to make sure we get them a couple guys for their set. So it's just a lot more media availability and then also a lot more transcripts. So we're looking mm-hmm. at about a 12 to 14 hour day, depending, um, because after the game kicks off or after the game ends, we're there another three hours easily. Mm-hmm. So it, it adds up. <laughs> yes. Yes, it definitely, definitely does. And the reason I wanted you to talk about it is, and this comes up on the podcast um, a lot when we have, you know, other media members on that, you know, we joke about how you know, friends at the game might be like, well, do you want to meet up right after? <laughs> yes. It's like, no, we cannot do that. But I, I just think it's important. And I want our listeners to understand that because when you want a career in sports, I just think it's important to know what that really entails. You're not Absolutely. showing up at 1245 for a 105 game and leaving at 430. And I think it's important to kind of know what goes into it and kind of respect the, what goes into it. So I appreciate you sharing that with us. Absolutely. I think it's a balance between it looks like a very glamorous job and there are moments that it, it can feel that very surreal that you're working in this industry or environment. And then at the end of the day, it's also just a job. So mm-hmm. there are ups and downs. There are good moments and bad moments. There's frustrations. It's, it's still a job. And at times it can be thankless, especially in PR um, or as you know, in media. So yeah, it's important to keep a perspective and a realistic expectation for it. Well, with that in mind, what would you say the most rewarding part of your job is and what would you say is the most challenging? The most rewarding, I really enjoy supporting our goals and projects that are bigger than me. Um, That can range from working with the 49ers Foundation the other night to for their Players for a Purpose event, raising, you know, over $650,000 for the 49ers Foundation to 
supporting, I guess last year we supported Eric Armstead in um, his bid for NFLPA community MVP and he won. So not only does his foundation and his work get a lot of exposure and publicity, but he also got $10,000 for his foundation to continue working. So mm-hmm. I really enjoy amplifying those messages and supporting people in those endeavors. Um, it goes back to that very team atmosphere, right? Working towards one goal, helpful mindset, all of those things. So that, to me, that's very rewarding, especially when you get to see the impact it actually has. I get to see Eric's impact in the community firsthand and it's a really important work and also can go um, under the radar sometimes because that's not necessarily what people always want to focus on. Mm-hmm. Um, the most challenging part, that's interesting. Um, I think we'll have to come back to that. I'm not, I'm not sure off the top of my head. I'm not, I don't have anything that comes to mind that is super challenging outside of a normal job scope. Well, that's a good thing, actually. Yeah. I think that's, yeah. I, I think we'll actually consider that a, a positive. Is there a challenge you've faced in this industry or your professional journey that isn't maybe specific to this job, but that was a challenge for you? Yeah, I think in a, it, through the lens of gender and, you know, women in the workforce, it took a long time for me to kind of learn to take up space. I think naturally myself, and I'm sure a lot of other women tend to make themselves smaller or, you know, think if you put your head down and work, people will notice. And that's absolutely true. But at the same time, you have to advocate for yourself and for others. Um, And learning to be comfortable doing that and learning to be comfortable in the setting, you know, I I work in this industry or this department or this role, and I'm being confident in that I'm good at it. And I deserve to be here as well. It can it can take some time and advocating for yourself and others is not I think advocating for others comes a lot more naturally for most people than it does for yourself, Mm -hmm. especially in a team environment in sport. You don't want to, you know, differentiate yourself at all. You don't want to make yourself stand out. But at the same time, it's the only way to get ahead is to outline those goals and to talk with your supervisor or mentors and kind of figure out how to spotlight what your contributions do for the larger good. And that's definitely not an easy thing to do. Uh, How long do you think it took you to kind of get to a point where you could do that? Oh, I'm still getting there. (laughs) Well, we're all a work in progress. So I think that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, I I can look back and kind of kick myself at times throughout my career where I felt like I left things on the table. Mm -hmm. Oh, I'll talk about this at another time or, oh, you know, later in the season, I'll follow up after that, especially in our industry you kind of table things until after the season thinking it's a better time. But in reality, there's no better time. There's always going to be a reason not to stand on the table for yourself or not to advocate for yourself. Um, So doing those things in real time, and it's a balance on figuring out, is this a priority in this moment or is this something that I can, you know, figure out later? So there's, yeah, I'm still working on that. Um, And I think we all are to an extent. Oh, I think that that's a hundred percent true. And that somewhat leads me to my next question, which is, is there a misstep you see women making when breaking into the sports industry? I don't think there's a misstep. I really outside of the advocating. I mean, you want to be confident and to lean in to the things that you want, but also be understand 
your role in the grand scheme of things, right? There's a really fine balance there. Um, a misstep woman take breaking into the sports industry. Nothing urgently comes to mind. Okay. Um, I think in general is people understanding what you were to your point earlier that our, our jobs and our roles aren't just these glamorous, um, always fun, nonstop, you know, game type atmospheres. It, mm-hmm. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of hours. It's a really big commitment. Um, my friends and my family give me a hard time when season hits, I kind of disappear. And that mm-hmm. is because we are working a lot of hours and you don't necessarily always have time to go home and see people or do all of those things. Or if they come to a game, maybe you wanted to say hi and you didn't get a chance to because you got tied up in some other things. So it, it's a large commitment. Um, it really is. If you could give someone a piece of advice for starting a career in your industry, what would it be? I think be humble um, and hungry. As we were saying earlier, there's this misconception that a job in sports is just nonstop and glamour for lack of a better word. And there are very fun moments um, where it can feel surreal that this is your actual job, but there's days, moments, projects that are less than ideal. Um, so just having those realistic expectations are, I, to me, very important. I almost think you could apply that to the athletes themselves too, because it is, there are a lot of glamorous parts of it, but it's, it is hard. And in Absolutely. week 12, when you're getting rehab or you're fighting injuries and you know, it's, it's not all glamor and glitz every day, no matter what your position is in the world of sports. Yeah, exactly. Like I said, training camps a grind is monotonous. It's, um, the same thing over and over and over. And it, I don't think anyone genuinely enjoys it, but it's a really important part of the process. Yeah, that's fair. Have you had a mentor throughout your career? It's actually interesting. Um, Hannah Gordon, our chief administrative officer and general counsel, had a phenomenal point recently. And I think believe it was NFL Network interview she did. Mm-hmm. She was talking about how there's a little bit of a misconception that a mentor is like a life partner. You're only going to find one, and that's the person who's going to mentor you forever. When in reality, you probably have multiple mentors mm-hmm. in different aspects of your life. Um, that really spoke to me because I think it's true and it's really important. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think it's a one size fits all. Uh, you go to different people for different things, or you have different mentors in different phases of your life. So, um, some. Sydney Ricker with the Chiefs has been instrumental um, in my development, I would say. She's someone I call regularly when I, you know, just want to talk, vent, figure out my next move, or um, just kind of see if she's gone through something similar. Mm-hmm. And to an extent, yeah, Hannah has been somewhat of a mentor, especially, and not necessarily in a traditional sense, but I work with her a lot in interviews and just observing her listening to her frequently has been very helpful. I think it's important to have a variety of different mentors. Uh, Dan Beckler, who used to work with us, was someone that I would talk to regularly, whether he realized it or not. Some of it was very advice-driven on my end, where I'm going to him looking for his opinion, looking for different advice that he can offer. Um, Mm -hmm. And yeah, I, I just think that there's different mentors in different aspects. Um, I, I don't know how you feel about that. If you have multiple people that you go to or, or just one person. 
I would say multiple. And I also, I, I very much agree with you. And I also was thinking about it as you were talking, it feels kind of like a big word mentor. Mm-hmm. I'm a, you know, and sometimes your mentor is it's, it is someone that you could just go to for advice. It is someone who at a certain point in your life really helped you. And sometimes I think a mentor doesn't maybe even know they're your mentor, but yes. you can look up to them. And I was on, on a podcast earlier this week and I was asked this question and I had said, my dad, Adrian Fenty, who's the former mayor of DC that I worked for for several years. And I learned so much from him. And I said, Matt Mayoko, and I don't know. I mean, I say it to Matt a lot and he kind of laughs, but I think he is in so many ways a mentor for me. Because if I have a question, or if there's something I really don't know, I mean, he's the person that I'll go to. And I think you make a really good point and Hannah makes a really good point. There are different people for different parts of your life, but maybe the word doesn't have to be so big. It's yeah. you know. It feels so big and formal, right? Mm-hmm. Like like you're sitting down having a weekly meeting with this person, which in reality, some people might be doing that, but a lot of mine have been so much more informal. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I could even credit Matt. Matt's been very helpful throughout my career. Um, I know we're on opposite, technically opposite sides, but he is someone that can provide feedback um, on our work or our interactions or, you know what I mean? He, he's very helpful in that sense. Um, and I think it's important to have that open dialogue with media because we do want to be good at our jobs and our job is to be helpful and to mm-hmm. um, assist. So yeah, I, I agree. It feels very large and formal when you say the word mentor. <laughs> yes, it does. But yeah, but it doesn't have to you know, necessarily be that way. Um, and it's funny when I was asked the question, I was like, I know that I have more. It's just those are like three that popped into my head. Uh, but, you know, I know that there are more. You know, all I agree. I'm absolutely leaving people out of this conversation. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's tough because there are there are so many people that I could point to and say that they were influential or they were there when I needed, you know, one key piece of advice or direction. So it's it's a tall order to be a mentor, which might be why we have so many. That very well might be true. That you know, very well might be true. And I think it also um, this is a little bit of a tangent, but I think for those listening, you know, when, when we're doing our jobs and we're learning, it is important to to be professional and to, um, I guess, act in a way that you'd want to be proud of because you don't know who's watching and looking up to you in a way. And yes. You don't know who's kind of emulating and learning from you in a way that, that you wouldn't have even thought of. So we're probably oftentimes mentors to people and not even know it. Absolutely. Um, it's, it's something that you don't think of yourself in that role, but you, like you said, you probably are. <laughs> yeah, I think that's true. How have you seen opportunities uh, change and grow for women in sports and how do you think we can still improve? I've seen the number of women working, especially on the football side, multiply in the last five years. Um, Laura McCabe is a great example of that. She was one of the first full-time female athletic trainers in the NFL. And when I got here, um, she was hired after me and she was the only woman in the athletic training room. And now they have, you know, a handful of women working in that department with her as interns. So, I mean, just seeing that growth has been wonderful. And to see Sally added to our scouting department and it really advanced her way up. She's been, her rise has been really impressive. Um, there's just been a lot of Shelby in our, player engagement department Mm -hmm. 
we, we have a lot of women in really important critical roles in our organization. And I don't think it, it's unique to the 49ers. I've seen that across the league. I think it's a credit to Sam Rappaport and the NFL office uh, for really driving these diversity and inclusion initiatives. Um, it's just something that's really important. And I think really benefits all organizations, not just in sports. One thing I wanted to talk about uh, that we haven't gotten to yet a, a little bit, I think we, we touched on it um, when we talked about uh, the players for a purpose and, and for Eric Armstead's foundation, but you also have done a lot of work on the community side with the 49ers and, and how important is that? I, I just want to expand upon it just because that's a side of the athletes of organizations that maybe not everybody sees all the time. And you've had the opportunity to really highlight it. So if you could just expand upon kind of what you were talking about earlier with that. Yeah, I think it's really important. Our organization's very dedicated to giving back to the community. Um, and that starts with the York family and their dedication to serving. And also John Lynch, who has a very, very strong reputation in community giving. Um, and it's also a credit to our community relations team. So Stacy McCorkle, Cy, Lindsay, and Michelle Beck, they do a wonderful job of pairing players with causes that are important to them. These guys are really busy and they definitely want to give back, but sometimes it can be overwhelming. Like, where do you start? Mm-hmm. And our community relations team does a wonderful job at really helping them narrow down where they want their impact to be. How do you see this vision? And then helping them execute it. Um, so they work on the team side, our own team missions, and then they also assist the players in their own purpose. So it's, it's something that's really personally important to me and that I know important to the organization. Um, every Tuesday, our players are in the community at an event giving back, whether that is the annual um, turkey day drive where we're giving out turkeys or serving at a local um, shelter, serving the less fortunate It can be as simple as going to the community for our annual Thanksgiving Day event where we serve food at a a local shelter. And to see people, see players in that environment serving food, engaging with the community, it can mean a lot to people who maybe haven't had um, a win recently. Mm -hmm. We also do a lot with, um, with children. One of my favorite events, I think, was going with Richard Sherman to the Santa Clara County um, Juvenile Hall as a part of Fresh Lifeline for Youth and listening to him speak to kids about it's not too late to turn things around. It's not too late to figure out a, a new path forward. And for them to see someone as notable as Richard Sherman genuinely care about their development um, is really powerful. So things like that, I think, are an undervalued part of the job externally. I know I value it. I know our organization does, but I don't know how much other people necessarily see it. Cause again, it goes back to the glitz and glam. It's not a 50 yard touchdown pass. No, but it's so important. And the Thanksgiving day event, I think that's one of my favorite things I get to cover. Honestly, like, it, you know, it's, it's much fun. Of course it's great to cover games, all the things. And I, and I love that part of the job, but I would say that Thanksgiving day event is one of my most favorite things to cover because first of all, the recipients are of course so happy. And like you said, maybe are people who haven't had a win recently, the players are super engaged players, families come. It's really, it's a great day. Yeah. Some of my most memorable moments in 
at a CR event come from that particular event. Um, there was a gentleman that, you know, spoke sign language and Solomon Thomas was sitting next to him speaking sign language with him. And it was just a wonderful moment where someone that might not be able to communicate with people on a regular basis in a very easy way. Mm-hmm. Solomon had a whole conversation with him. Um, so things like that, that are, that stick with you for a long time and are really important um, come out of those events. Yes, I agree. It's a good one. Um, well, this has been very fun, but yes. you know, that's, that leads us to my favorite thing in the world. Five facts. <laughs> and Tessa is about as intimately knowledgeable with five fun facts as anybody on this podcast has ever been. <laughs> we have done a lot of them over the years. We have done a lot of them. And she is one of the people I go to when I say, here's my list of people I want for five fun facts. Uh, but on this podcast, we ask everybody the same five questions every week, which has been great because we get some answers the same. Oftentimes the answers are very different. So without further ado, five fun facts with Tessa Giamona. Let's do it. I'm, I'm always asking people to do this with you. So I guess it was, you know, there was going to be a moment I had to do it myself. <laughs> it was, it was written in the stars really. Is what it, it was. was. It was written in the stars. Okay. So Tessa, I will start with what is your favorite moment in sports? This one is a hard one. Um, the, the collective 2019 season is my yeah. favorite moment in sports. Uh, but I think if I had to narrow it down, hosting the NFC championship game was incredible. And it was just one of those really like pinch yourself moments. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm also in a really unique position because I am from the Bay Area. A lot of times people who work for teams, whether it's NFL, NBA, they aren't from the region that their team plays in. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, my family being at the NFC championship game and getting to share those moments with them was really, really special. What is your life motto? My life motto? Um, it is what it is. <laughs> you know what? But I think that that's a really good life motto because sometimes it just is. It really, it is. it is what it is because it can't be what it ain't. <laughs> I, I love that. That's so good. I love that. Oh, I just, I'm just going to write that down and put it on my mirror. Uh, <laughs> what is your go-to workout? I mean, I know, but what, so our listeners know. I was going to say, this is an easy one. I love a HIIT workout. I go to Barry's boot camp. I also do the Peloton tread boot camps. Um, during the pandemic and last year when we were in Arizona for an entire month, mm-hmm. the Peloton app was an absolute lifesaver. So um, anything like that. I love lifting. I love a good high intensity interval workout. What is your go-to coffee order? This one's also tough. Um, sorry, this is turning into like 15 fun facts. <laughs> That's all right. Listen, the one thing about fun facts is I don't want to take away any. So okay. bring, them. bring the fun facts. Um, mint Mojito from Phil's is a classic, mm-hmm. an all-timer. Um, and I live right next to a Phil's, so it's just on the way. It's so convenient. Uh, so convenient. I also have been very into iced Americanos lately. Oh. Yes, they're so good. Um, low calorie if you're into that kind of thing. And then mm-hmm. have to because it's fall. Pumpkin spice cold brew from oh, Starbucks. I mean, absolutely. And we it's I mean, as far as I'm concerned, it's fall and let's do this. It's September is it. Let's bring on the pumpkin. So I'm all in on that. Yes. The pumpkins um pumpkin spice cold brew might be a, a year round drink. If I could do it, I would. <laughs> I would not judge that even a little. 
Uh, and then last but not least, a book every woman should read. I'm actually in the middle of a book I think everyone should read. It's called Great. Invisible Women. Okay. And it's a really, it's a very kind of a dense book as far as re- being really data-driven. But it kind of highlights the way that there is gender bias in the world. Mm-hmm. And so it talks about, you know, it gives actual concrete data to the things that women are overcoming, which can be really validating in a sense. Um, and it's just very, it's very intriguing and interesting. Oh, fantastic. Um, Tessa, this was awesome. Thank you for joining me today. Thank you for having me. Um, I, I appreciate your patience. I know we've been trying to do this for a while. Oh, absolutely. Well, it was worth it. I'm so excited that we were able to do this. And if you guys like what you heard, and I know that you did, please make sure to give us a five-star review. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Fangirl Sports Network. I'll talk to everyone next week. Bye, all For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.